Another Way to Play, episode 133. We look for the sale before the sale. We base our numbers off of what we see in the price history that other investors have purchased the homes for. This is Brandon Barnes, founder of Mighty Estates, LLC. And if you want to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is another way to play. I am your host, Hans Strazina. And if you've ever wondered what it's like to run a seven-figure, very lean entrepreneurial venture, then our next guest is perfect for you. His name is Brandon Barnes, and he is a wholesaler out of the Atlanta, Georgia metro area. And if you don't know what wholesaling is, basically he goes out, finds sellers who have motivation to sell a property, puts it under contract, and then finds an investor to buy it from him, and he makes a spread somewhere in the middle. It's a very interesting low barrier to entry model, which means there's a ton of competition, um, but Brandon has created a really cool system that uh, just gets him rocking and rolling to the tune of seven figures in revenue a year. He's also really perfected a system uh, of how to do this efficiently and effectively um, and has brought in employees and has a lot of great uh, anecdotes to share as well as a really cool personal development story to go along with it. So if you get some value out of this, head over to iTunes or whatever podcast player you're listening on and make sure that you leave a rating and a review because it gives the algorithm some love, which means we love it as well, um, as well as gives me some feedback on how to continue improving the show. So without any further ado, let's just get into it with my buddy, Brandon Barnes. Brandon, thanks for being on the show today, man. Really excited to have you here. Awesome. And I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Totally. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about kind of where you're at today with uh, Mighty Estates, your meetup, your coaching program. You've got a lot going on, man. So, so give us the rundown of kind of what your business looks like and what you're getting into right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll kind of start from the beginning. You know, I, Please. Um, you know, born up near Chicago, but raised here in Atlanta, Georgia, since I was one. And uh, I always wanted to go to a bigger school. Uh, big name brand school, but the grades weren't, you know, good enough to do that fresh out of high school, just barely scraped by, uh, whether it be a uh, grade average teetering right at that C plus. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, the goal was to go and graduate from a bigger school. So I started at Georgia State University, got my grades up, went to Purdue and it, it allowed me to lay the groundwork for a, you know, corporate career. Um, you know, kind of following in my dad's footsteps. And so I got, you know, two internships with the H.J. Heinz company and even a co-op in Germany with them. I had this whole vision for my 
life because they had a leadership development program where I would rotate three years, three different positions and, and, and locations. And as soon as I finished that first rotation, they had actually moved me and my wife out to the Quad Cities, Iowa, uh, Illinois border, which would be closer to my family in Chicago. Uh, and then they got bought out. And so that completely changed things. Um, and so I looked for a local job and I found an opportunity as production supervisor at the craft uh, Oskemeyer plant. And a few years in, they got bought out. Now they're they, you know, the Heinz craft company. Um, and so I, I stayed there, stuck it out for a few years, and I had an opportunity to come back home to Atlanta. And if you can guess the next part of the story, three for three, they got bought out by two by, uh, it was ice cream company got bought out by Unilever. Um, and, you know, I worked for them, you know, um, me and my wife got married, uh, October 10th, 2015, two weeks later, I was fired, completely shut down everything. And, and like I said, I had this perfect plan, right? I was going to climb the corporate ladder. Uh, I was always wanting to be an entrepreneur, small businesses as, as I was, you know, growing up. But I just thought that I would, you know, have some money to invest in a startup or, or start something along those lines. And, you know, even to the point where, you know, I did 15 credit hours at Purdue um, for an entrepreneurship certificate program. So I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, uh, but the path to that just got completely blown up. And so I called my buddy that I met in Pittsburgh and he said, man, I actually moved to Atlanta, come by, it's this real estate uh, mentor, you can join the program drive around with me. And I said, Hey, I'll, I'll come check it out. Uh, and that's what we started to do, you know, December, 2015. Um, and so by January I was fully and fully committed, um, and to, to enter into, um, you know, the, my entrepreneurship life through real estate investing. And, you know, I took that opportunity and ran with it. You know, I stopped applying for jobs, I was completely all in and, and wholesaling was that path because that was the low money, you know, entry level uh, opportunity to get into real estate. So that was, that's how it all started. Man. So, I mean, the, the, the name brands you just kind of rattled off there, they got acquired and did the acquiring and stuff like those are big brands. And most people would consider those to be safe or like a really good opportunity to climb up in and advance and get training and all the other things that one would want out of a corporate engagement. But your story is one of the exact opposite of that sort of security and safety that typically comes with that large brand. Right. And it's interesting. I, I, I am interested, like, why did you go for those brands and go for that big corporate life out of the gate as opposed to, because you, you took some credits in college for entrepreneurship. Why didn't you start trying to do something on your own initially? Yeah. So it was kind of the, the game plan that my dad almost laid out for me. Um, he's a safe guy. Um, he, you know, was a CPA, um, you know, by trade, you know, through school. And he started with the Coca-Cola company uh, here in 1992. And so he actually is just uh, retiring um, this year, actually this month, you know, yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of crazy, but he, he just always had, you know, that, that was our thing. It was, you know, big brand names, you know, Coca-Cola largest, you know, brand name, um, you know, recognizable name in the world. And um, so for me, it was following that path. I wanted to go to Purdue University because that was a big brand name. 
go to, you know, work for H. Dan Hines company out of that. And then crap. And so it was just me following in, in my father's footsteps. Um, but I just have a little bit of a different edge to myself to where, you know, I'm willing to bet on myself um, and, and take risk. And, um, you know, it, it didn't work out how I thought it would, um, but they never really do. Plans are meant to be broken. Um, and uh, that's just kind of how that how that laid out. But, you know, it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, because you got that taste of, of the other side of it. And I can see, especially if you'd grown up with that family input, like we all have those biases or, you know, imp- inputs, whatever you want to call it, of, of what we should be doing. And we want to make our parents proud and all of that sort of thing. And um, you definitely gave that a shot. And not to say that it was any necessary fault of your own, but it was circumstances out of your control. But then the cool thing is you did something about it because you went back to Atlanta with your buddy and you could have just as easily said, you know, real estate's a scam. It's for people who have a ton of money. I just got laid off. Like, I don't have any of that. Like, what, what do you think inside of you kind of triggered to, to push you in the direction of, of pursuing real estate in that first couple of months or year or whatever it was, as opposed to just trying to go back into a, a big corporate job? Yeah. Look, like I said, I, I was always looking for that opportunity in that window. Um, even in college, you know, part of that entrepreneurship certificate program was to, you know, you know, come up with an idea, come up with um, um, product or a service. And so once I, you know, started to really hear and understand how so many people built wealth and success through real estate, I was like, this is it. Like, this is absolutely that opportunity. I don't have to invent anything. I don't have to come up with some, you know, um, master plan or service. It was literally follow the steps to success. And so that is really what got me hooked. And then, um, you know, my very first, and they say that the anomalies happen in the outliers, right? You know, my first thousand postcards got a contract my very and and I say that like that because the next 5000 I didn't get anything but it's like those outliers it like stuff happens the magic sometimes happens in those outliers but you know you you have to be consistent regardless but um you know I sent that first batch of postcards early February got it under contract like the third week in February closed my first deal uh I think on March 16th 2016 and it was a 15k deal. It was no telling. It was it was no looking back after that. I had the success, and I was able to say, "Hey, see that? Like this is real." Um, because of course, you see, wanted me to continue to apply for jobs because that's just the safe guy he is. But that very first deal happened that quickly, and of course, I split it with my buddy, um, leveraged his buyers list, and um, you know, continue to roll from there. So for the audience sake, because not everybody knows what wholesaling is, can you break that down, that process, and just tell us kind of what it is that you're doing to make a 15K deal for yourself? Yeah, for sure. So in its simplest form, wholesaling is the art of finding off-market properties at a discount. And so when people say that wholesaling is a marketing business, it's because you have to find those opportunities to add value to homeowners. And so we literally reach out to people that we would assume 
there should be some level of motivation there. So this list, that first thousand postcards was a list of folks that had tax liens on their property. So they should want to sell. If I can give them enough money in the offer to pay off their tax lien, um, they should be able to wipe it clean and actually have some little money left over. And so we reach out to homeowners that we would assume there's some motivation. So the house looks bad from the street. So driving for dollars or, you know, they just filed an eviction or they just inherited a property. And what we do is we reach out to them, some form of marketing, you could cold call, you could send mail, you could send text messages. um, And then we'll make them an offer to purchase their home. And we can either fully purchase on purchase that home uh, and immediately resell it. We could uh, purchase it, you know, and do a renovation, uh, or we can assign the rights to that property to another buyer who wants to actually do the work. And so when I say just a straight up and down wholesale deal, usually it's an immediately uh, it's an immediate resale or an assignment to another buyer who actually wants to do the work. So if I get something under you know, contract for, in that, in that instance, it was crazy because I got it under contract for, um, for $20,000 um, and sold it for 35. Um, so um, I made an offer to purchase a home for 20, got it under contract in the same day, um, you know, I, I purchased the home with transactional funding and then I immediately resold it to a buyer that wanted to do the work for a profit. So that, that's basically it. So you did a double close on that one where you literally bought the, the thing for 20, you closed on it, you took title, and then you basically f- turned around that same exact day that you got title and sold it to your new buyer for a higher amount. Yes, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. Creating a spread because that's exactly what, what you're doing. Um, relative to your, to the business model. I mean, I feel like you go on Instagram or YouTube or anywhere and everyone's trying to wholesale nowadays. And maybe it was a little different a couple of years ago. Right. But, um, how do you guys differentiate? Cause it's, it's a noisy marketplace out there, especially in the real estate space. Everyone wants to get in, you know, you listen to a couple of bigger pockets episodes and everyone's a real estate investor all of a sudden. So like how, what are you doing besides the you know the nuts and bolts of a of a basic lead generating and uh you know marketing business to differentiate yourself so you can actually turn this into something you can scale yeah so um i I think the biggest thing is our process um the process that i've championed within you know my business and for um my coaching students because i now coach others to similar success is a model in which we keep our leads in an auto dialer. Um, and so when people say that, you know, hey, they want to cold call homeowners to generate leads, they use this thing called an auto dialer, which is like a triple line dialer where you can, you know, call three lines at the same time. And as soon as one person picks up, you go live with that and it holds the other two lines. So you can more quickly go through you know, a, a big list of, you know, potentially motivated sellers. And so, you know, the average real estate investor, you know, they generate a lead and they send it to their CRM for their acquisition manager to pick up and, and call. 
and then potentially going on an appointment with the homeowner and make this perfectly crafted offer and hope that it gets accepted. Well, when I wanted to get out of that seat and actually get more offers out the door, I actually read a great book called The One Thing. And it was, what's the one thing that you could do that makes everything else so much simpler? It was for me, it was, I wanted to send more offers. And so I was able to transition one of my cold callers to an acquisition manager where he literally just stays on the phone and the leads that are generated, they just get assigned to him within the dialer so that he can power dial everybody that is a lead. And we also, there's three components to it. It's the speed using a triple line dialer, keeping the leads in the database. It's me showing him how to and showing other people how to come up with the offer sight unseen over the phone just based off of as is sold comps. And then third is a, a web form where we can literally input seller information, hit a button and it'll docu-sign, it'll merge and docu-sign an agreement to that seller. So where the average person is, like I said, sending it to some other system and calling and going on an appointment, my guy can get out 10, 15, 20 offers each day just by power dialing, come up with the offer price and submitting them very fast. And so we're able to do volume at a pace that most others aren't able to do. And that's how we get a lot more contracts than the average real estate investor. Because there's a, I mean, generally speaking, when you're cold calling or marketing in any capacity, you can go for quantity or or some version of quality, right? And so you guys are just playing a quantity game. Like you want to just just get as many options and opportunities out in front of your people who are sounds like pretty well trained and equipped to be able to uh, to be able to have a ton of at bats and hopefully close a bunch of deals in the process. There's, there's, a, there's a piece to that. Go, go ask the question. I was just going to say, how did you kind of decide that that was going to be your model? Because I'm sure that wasn't the way you, were, you sent the first thousand, then you sent another 5,000 postcards. Like, that's not what you were doing in the beginning. So how did it evolve into that for you? Right. right. So it, it, it was born out of um, starting a cold call as my primary marketing channel um, and seeing that there was an opportunity. I had a buddy that was, he was really telling us like, hey, you don't have to go to all these appointments. You can do deals over the phone. And that was completely contrary to everything that I had learned and, you know, done and what my mentor was suggesting, you know, building a bunch of rapport. But it just made sense. If It made sense to try this, this technique. And, and what we do, we still do try to build a, um, a, a, ton, a ton of rapport with just much longer conversations with the homeowners. But that was the, that was the part of it that made sense. It was, it was how I could make it work. And I, I, um, I submit to a, a form of coming up with offer prices based on comps rather than you know this equation that most real estate investors use most most real estate investors say hey you're going to go find out arv and you're going to multiply it by 0.7 and you're going to subtract out your repair costs and then how much you want to make 
Well, there's a way that we we base our offers off of as is sold comps. And the way that we do that is, and I'm going to try to you know break this down so that your listeners can try to understand, um, you know, but we look for the sale before the sale. We base our numbers off of what we see in the price history that other investors have purchased the homes for. So if I can sum it up like this, if you give me any property in America, right, I'm, I'm going to, you know, pull it up in Zillow and I'm going to draw uh, an area around that subject property. Like I'm going to draw a circle on the map and, you know, stay within major roles, don't cross highways, you know, try to stay within the neighborhood. And then I'm going to set a square footage filter to stay within 500 square feet of the subject property. And so and then everything that's sold, I'm going to click on each of those and I'm going to look in the price history on each of those properties and see if I can find what price it would have sold to an investor. So that when I say the sell before the sale, is if I if I look in an area and I say, hey, this was completely renovated, and I click on the price history, you know, if it was completely renovated and it sold for two hundred k, you know, recently, if I look at that price history, oftentimes I'll find that it sold for a hundred k a few months prior, like six months before that, and so then we just subtract out the margin that we want to make, which I suggest twenty k to give yourself some room. And that becomes our maximum allowable offer. And we just submit a bunch of offers by subtracting out how much we want to make from what it looks like a rehabber purchased a similar property for in the area. And we can do that with, there's about three different types of comps. There's the rehabber comps, landlord comps, and as is, you know, owner occupied comps. And so the same thing applies if I look in an area and I say, hey, my subject property looks like a rental. This looks like a rental area. I'll see the last sale price was, you know, it's, it'll show $1,000 per month. And, and if I look at what it sold for before it was listed for rent, that's what a landlord would buy it at. So I'm just going to subtract out my margin from there. Very similar if something sold like move-in ready. I'm going to just say, hey, I think uh, um, an owner-occupant bought it at this. I'm just going to subtract my margin off of that. So, that, you know, it's as simple as that. And, it, and it's, it's, it's easy to teach, um, you know, with, with time. Uh, and it's easy to grasp. And it speeds up your offer process so much faster. Yeah, I, I can believe it. And what's interesting, and for those of you who aren't sort of in the investing real estate world, what he's talking about is actually pretty brilliant in my opinion, because most people do want to go tour the property and they want to go in and, and inevitably if someone has a tax delinquency or a, they show up on one of these lists that he's talking about and they have um, some motivation. They're getting hit up with phone calls, people door knocking them, um, sending a bazillion postcards, and and it gets overwhelming, frankly. And then on top of that, all those people then want to uh, 
build rapport and try and come in for an appointment and a second appointment and a third appointment with the contractor and this person and that person. It gets exhausting, right? When the end of the day, clock is ticking for that home seller who's got a big problem and you're basically just trying to cut directly to the chase of, of the number and see, because I imagine when you're sending these kind of shotgun offers, if you will, um, you know, you're going to get a lot of no's, but then you're going to get a bunch of either yeses or maybes. And then that's when you start to invest the time once you've, once someone's effectively raised their hand and say, I would consider that, or that's, that's a little low. Can you go a little higher or something like that? Right? Exactly. We treat these offers as another marketing piece. It just gets us another conversation. And so as soon as we submit that offer and the VA sends it, then she sets in follow-up for my acquisition manager that says offer sent. So now he's just power dialing everybody and saying, hey, did you receive the offer? What did you think? Let's go from there. Yeah. It's another piece of marketing is simply what you're doing. 100%. I love that, man. That's so good. And why, why aren't more people doing it that way, do you think? I don't know. Um, so I have a buddy that uh, his name is Tag Thompson. Uh, he's another real estate investor. He's all, he was also in a similar mentor program as as myself, and he created um, a uh, an offer kind of uh, website, um, and it's called um, Let's Go Offer dot com. And I'm you know shamelessly promoting his his um his his website but um if you use the code i n u like indigo nancy umbrella it actually gives you a discount so i'm just gonna put that out there but anyways uh, let's go offer it's it's built off of a similar concept where you can go in you can put in your address of subject property you can give a condition you can set the condition and it'll pull comps and give you an offer price range where you should be submitting your offer. And, you know, I share that with a lot of my coaching students and say, Hey, this is another kind of gut check to where, you, you know, you can check out this, let's go offer website. Um, and, and it, and it has, it's, it's built off of a similar premise that, you know, um, comparable home sales, making your offers based off of comparable home sales is superior to estimating ARV and repair costs. Which is exactly in the real, as everyone knows, I'm a real estate agent here in the Bay Area and that's exactly how we do it. We draw radiuses, we go, you know, bracket square footage and bed bath counts and condition and floor plans and layouts and quality and blah, blah, blah to, to come up with an offer price for our clients. And that's more the like, you know, fixed up version of what you were doing. It's, it's effectively taking what real estate agents already do and applying it to an investor model, which for whatever reason, the investor model, broadly speaking, isn't doing it that way. Right, right. I mean, you know, I, I came up with this not just as an aha moment. It was, hey, I want to I pull myself out of this seat. I want to pull myself so I can work on the business. I need a way to teach my acquisition manager how to look at things. And so, you know, I, I, we, we just started working, you know, on this. And I just kind of, you know, showed him how I would come up with the offer. Um, and then I just fine tuned it a little bit. And, um, you know, now I'm wanting to share it with other people. And then that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, and, and, you know, I, I know we're going to get to that at some point, but uh, I took over this monthly meetup 
uh, REI Live. Um, I, I didn't, you know, formally want to be a, a real estate investor, or a real estate coach, or a mentor, or a guru, because there's enough of those out there. Um, but you know, once I I was supporting uh, my buddy Brian Tripp out of uh, Birmingham, and he has this REI Live brand, and there's REI Live Columbia, Sarasota, Florida, Orlando, Birmingham. Um, and he came to Atlanta and he, and he worked with somebody else for two months and it just didn't work out for them. Um, and so he asked me to take it over. And when I started to, you know, lead that group and, and bring people together and bring speakers, just a lot of people just wanted to learn more about how they too could, you know, become a real estate investor or start to do what I did. And so that's what bred the coaching program. And then I had to start you know, figuring out how I could take what I showed my acquisition manager and share it with others. And so, you know, now I have uh, the Send More Offers coaching program uh, in its simplest form. That's what I'm all about, sending more offers. So, you know, I shared that with you earlier, you know, sendmoreoffers.com. I can, you know, if anybody wants to kind of learn a little bit more about that. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll plug that down into the show notes. So it's easy to, to link up and to click on and find. And you already sort of, you teed that up pretty nicely, but you were basically doing, doing this for about a year or thereabouts before you really decided you wanted to extract from the operations and get more into the strategy and the higher level thinking of the business, which is, is that when the, this whole concept of sending offers initially um, came about or were you doing that already and then you just hired yourself uh, someone who could, who could implement that strategy? Yeah, so, so it was actually in about by the end of year two is when I um, started to, to kind of implement the strategy because again, I, I was all about you know, going on every appointment, building an incredible amount of rapport talking, you know, talking to homeowners, really digging in. But, you know, once I wanted to continue to scale the business, um, you know, that's kind of where that came into play. Um, And literally, you know, I went from, you know, maybe getting out a handful of offers a week to the point now we're getting about 50 offers. And that my very first year because of the great mentor program that I was a part of and the great mentor I had and Tom Kroll, um, wholesaling Inc. You know, I did six figures that first year, you know, you know, did almost a quarter million year two. Um, but when I fired myself and brought in an acquisition manager to really be able to work on the business and scale the business, we hit seven figures that quickly. Like, like you know, I literally hired an acquisition manager. And I can still remember this because it was around Thanksgiving that I was interviewing Thanksgiving, 2017. So I was in of year two um, and year three, we did a million dollars in uh, revenue. Um, and then we, you know, we did it again, you know, last year and, and, and we're on track to um, continue to, to, to grow that um, this year and, and beyond. That's awesome, man. Well, congrats on all of that success. Before we, I want to, I want to respect the rest of your time uh, in your afternoon here, but before we get to the end of the show, um, what do you think sort of the biggest shift for you in your sort of personal and business career was relative to getting to that seven figure mark? Cause there's, 
you know, there's a lot of steps along the way. And one I definitely want to point out was simply you were in the trenches for a couple of years, actually going into living rooms, making presentations, writing offers yourself. And then you realize there may be a better way as a po- and, and perhaps you can shortcut that to some degree, but I don't, I want to honor the fact that you were in there learning your craft, learning the business before you sort of stepped into the manager role. And I, and I just want to point out that I think a lot of people negate that fact and they don't want to get into the living room and, and learn the sort of belly to belly sales of what you're doing. Um, but with that, like what was so, what was the biggest mentality shift that you had um, to really take your business from, you know, about a quarter million to over a million in revenue in just a year or so? Yeah. You know, it, it was the realization, um, that, and, 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 you know, I wouldn't say realization cause I always knew this. It's being able to build a team, knowing that you cannot, you know, you, you cannot do so seven figure business without a team. You, you cannot. And so, you know, that, that specifically I'm speaking, you know, real estate and wholesaling, but you know, it was, it was going on and, and bringing on some team members and, even with the mentor program that I was in early on, I would always listen to the coaching calls, the previous recording coaching calls. I think that's really where the goal was. It was hearing students from around the country ask questions and ask similar situations. And my buddy told me that up front. He said, you, you listen to those forwards and backwards. It was hours and hours of coaching call and get to the point where when somebody asks a question, you can answer it as the mentor would because you've heard it so much. You've heard the similar patterns of, of what to do and, and how to look at things. And so as I was driving for dollars, as I was going on appointments, I was always, always, always listening to those coaching calls. And something that always came up was, when do I hire that acquisition manager? And the advice you know, was usually, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a few you know, answers to that, but you know, you're never ready and you really have to take a leap of faith and understand that your business will produce more and grow more with every hire that you make. If you hire right, correctly, right? Yeah. You know, it will bring you more business because you can't, you know, it's, it's hard to even consider and fathom, you know, how much more time will be dedicated to doing the activities when you as the business owner is not doing them because you bring in an employee that that's their only job is to talk to homeowners, understand situations and make offers versus prior to that, I'm doing that. I'm playing dispositions. I'm making sure the marketing's going out. I'm tracking the numbers. I'm, I'm doing all these different things. And so, you know, once I, I realized that, you know, I had to, you know, add team members to really grow that was the switch. And it was, it was, you know, you know, the question was, do we have enough leads? Do we, you know, do we have enough volume? Do we have enough people for them to talk to, to, you know, um, make it make sense to actually hire somebody? And the answer was yes, we should have hired well before that. It was like, I waited way too long, I think, because that person brought more business. And, you know, even if it wasn't just us having, you know, a bunch of new leads, there was a whole bunch of people in our database that we had spoken to that he could go back and reach out to those folks as well. So it was taking that leap of faith that, you know, hiring was going to bring me more business 
than me thinking like, oh, I don't think I got enough business to support this person. Yeah, man, that that's a huge mentality shift in business and just in general is like having those strategic partnerships and and getting people into your world who can help scale a position, whether it's sending out marketing or, um, you know, taking phone calls or whatever. It's like once you get to a certain point, you know, hiring it out, because we only only have, you know, 24 hours a day and realistically somewhere between eight to 12 uh, individually each day that we can actually be productive and work. And that mentality shift around how do I hire someone who can replace me and give me that time back so then I can go and, you know, do something else that's hopefully more productive for the business is that's huge, man. So I, I really appreciate you breaking that down for us. Well, like I said, I want to respect the rest of your time uh, for today. I know you've got a ton of coaching clients and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm going to transition. I got a, I got a ton of kids. <laughs> <laughs> a ton of kids, right, right on. Yeah, I got, I got four. They all just got back from school um, oh, wow. just now. So, you know. Well, we, we won't keep you from then too much longer, but I do want to get to the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Awesome. Let's do it. First question. What book have you gifted most often? The, um, oh my goodness, the go-giver, the go-giver. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Martin Luther King Jr. Just uh understand you know the the struggle the gravity you know how he led and and now he was you know what continued to drive him through all that adversity to continue to lead and, and fight the good fight it's a great question what is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on if it's real estate related i, I mean I'd, I'd say that sending offers based, based off of as is comps is better than, you know, an ARV or, you know, repair better than going to, um, you know, every property individually that doing deals virtually the sight unseen, um, is a better strategy than going on uh, live appointments in person. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day? Wake up, work out, read a few pages and get the kids ready for school. Easy, man. Brandon, this has been awesome, dude. I appreciate you coming on the show. What's the best place online that we can connect with you? Yep. Sendmoreoffers.com. Easy peasy. Sendmoreoffers.com. Uh, linked up down in the show notes. I've, I think you've got a couple of social profiles there too. So we'll link up your Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all that good stuff as well. Um, yeah, guys, go check it out. If you want to learn more about what wholesaling is or, a, or if you know what it is and you need a, a fresh perspective on how to get it done at a high level, Brandon's your guy at sendmoreoffers.com. Dude, thank you again for being on the show. It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on and uh, much success to you for the rest of the year and into 2021. Awesome. Thanks, Hans. This has been great. And that's it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you being here. Hopefully you got some value from Brandon. If you want to learn more about wholesaling or just general business and how he's done what he's done, I've got him all queued up down in the show notes so you can connect with him there or on social. And obviously, if you want to connect with me, I'm at Chief Sna on Instagram and uh, at HansStrazina.com. 
shoot me a message on either platform and I would love to respond and connect with you as well. Uh, Without any further ado, let's go ahead and get out of here. Uh, This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play, and remember to make every chapter better than the last.